Blog Talk Radio. This is the Naked Talk with Alex Okoji. It's all about straight talk with some of the biggest global icons, leaders, entertainers, motivational speakers, authors, life coaches, relationship experts, social advocates, and extraordinary friends as they treat themselves, their experiences, and share their unfiltered thoughts about life issues. I believe in stripping the lies and empowering the mind through the freedom of expression. I'm unapologetic about being open, so I motivate my guests to tell it like it is and help my listeners build a presence of mind while finding their voice. So it's all about the best in authentic conversations with real people about real life experiences. So let's keep it unfiltered, unscripted, uncensored, and uncut. You're welcome to today's episode. Talk with Alex Okurji, and yes, this is the Queen of Expression, and I'm coming to you live out of Lagos, Nigeria, in the heart of Africa. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm always so excited when I come here, right? Um, today on Friday Radio Special, oh my goodness, I am so I cannot wait to speak to my very special guest, who's joining me live all the way from Atlanta in the U.S. and um, Today on The Naked Talk, you know, we're going to be having such a, a really great uh, conversation as always, and like I always say every week, uh, this is the hub for real authentic conversation. And yes, expression is a sign of strength and not weakness, so we do not apologize for our experiences, we do not apologize for our thoughts and our feelings, and you know, just a journey so far, you know, the journey that has taken us to where we are now, we don't, we embrace it all. And so yes. You know, it's all about unscripted, uncensored conversations right here on today's show. 
Oh, well, last week on The Naked Talk, we had such an amazing, amazing week. Yes, on Talk Wednesday, I had with me Dr. Reggie Padin, who joined me live all the way from um, Miami in Florida. And uh, we had such an interesting conversation about getting out of the dumpster. And, uh, you know, we talked about just his journey and um, his best-selling book and <laughs> quite a lot of stuff. And if you missed that conversation, don't forget that you can catch it right here you know, on the archive show right here at the radio channel. And, of course, on Friday Radio Special, we had a bumper conversation. I had uh, international activist Gabriela Van Ray, who joined us live all the way from Los Angeles. And, of course, I had with me a co-host on the show. Uh, I invited uh, radio host and, of course, founder of Good Radio Network, Frankie Picasso, to join in on that conversation. And, yes, we talked about picking up the bowl of kindness. And, you know, it was really great just basically tapping into Gabriela's journey as well as her just her, her message for kindness, you know, and why she basically has been going around advocating, empowering, and just helping people to pick up that bowl of kindness, you know, and make the world a better place. And so if you missed any of those conversations or any other conversation with any of my other guests, don't forget that all our live shows are archived here 24-7, so you have no reason to miss anyone. And, of course, you can listen to The Naked Talk on any of our syndicated radio networks. Yes, we're syndicating all over your internet radio. So, yes, you can listen to The Naked Talk on iTunes. We're also on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. We're on, oh, my goodness, where are we? We're on Acast One Player FM. <laughs> we're even on Good Radio Network in Canada. And, yes, we're on Pod Africa in Uganda. Oh, my goodness, I'm sure we're all over the Internet. So you have no reason whatsoever to miss any of our conversations. And, yes, I'd just like to say thank you to all the amazing people who sent me emails. Oh, my goodness, you guys, you blow off my <laughs> you blow off my box. But thank you so much. You know, I get all your you know messages. You have suggestions. You have comments. You have, oh, my goodness, I love it. And I just wanted to let you know that I get them, I appreciate them, and I love you for it. And I try to respond as much as I can, but, oh, my goodness, I get so many emails, so it's really difficult. But don't forget, keep that comment. Just keep that coming. You never know. And, of course, if you'd like to leave um, a voice message, you can also leave a voice message. Just go to bit.ly slash to make a talk, and, and you get on my website, or just go to my website, alexacurrity.me, and click on radio, and then you can leave a voice message. And who knows? Your message might be played right here on the show. So, um, Today, just before we get into today's conversation with my very amazing guest, and she's here already, um, you know, she's here already, but just before we get into that conversation, today's show is brought to you by our friends at Evolution Magazine. Now, Evolution is all about bringing to you the hair side of life, and of course, giving your hair a voice. And if you want to find out more about them, you can go to www.evolutionmagazine.com. But here's what's also amazing. Evolution is putting together this special I Bared My Chest series, and it's really amazing. Now, last week on the magazine, they featured one of the I Bared My Chest authors, uh, yes, a, a group of 21 authors from around the world, and they featured, they had Yvonne Heath, I think, right on the show. And then la this week, I think it was Vanessa and Bamara. And of course, my special guest today was also featured in the magazine. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to, you know, chat with my guest today. But um, today is also brought to you by um, our friends at QTB Entertainment and Events. Now, QTB is all about the finest 
first-class entertainment production outfit. And if you want to produce quality award, you know, events or whatever it is, just make sure to go onto the website and find out more about them at www.qtabevents.com. And let's not forget our friends at She Matters Movement. Now, she Matters is all about bringing to you amazing ambassadors to empower and elevate the women and girls from around the world. And I am so happy to constantly use my voice and my platform to just basically support the movement and encourage more women to achieve more around the world. Now, um, before we move forward, uh, we cannot forget the amazing work that film director Osaki Korua and Max Saxemayer, um, just the amazing work they're doing with the reporters Inc., right? Yes, and they put together this amazing documentary. Now, this documentary basically is highlighting and spotlighting just what happened to the life or, you know, the wrongly convicted citizens, people who are doing time and paying for a crime that they haven't committed, and now how that just not only affects them, but also affects their family and their community as well. And just what it feels like and how the justice system basically has failed them. And so, you know, it's just a great work that they're doing, raising their voice for people who cannot talk and who don't, you know, who don't have a voice. And just to be able to do this amazing, you know, amazing documentary they're putting together. So um, if you want to find out more about The Innocent Convict, and that's the name of the documentary, make sure to go on to um, – the Reporters Inc. Oh, sorry, the Reporters.org. Go to www.thereporters.org and find out more about this documentary. Now, today on TNT <laughs> 077, and of course, if you guys notice, I'm a little bit nasal, right? That's because I have a sore tonsil. So if I'm, you know, not sounding great, it's because I'm, you know, a little under the weather. But you know, as we say, the show must go right. And I'm so excited. I could never miss today because I've been looking forward to this. I've been counting down the days. So today on TNT 077, we're moving from pain to power. Now, there are many people who struggle with navigating past hurts and life transitions to leave the life of their dreams. Now, today's guest understands the challenge of dealing with trials and tribulations because she has lived through many of them from racism to eating disorders to financial struggles, you know, and building a career. Now, her journey has been much of to knock down, yet getting up again. And as the president of the Jamison Group, a leadership training and personal development organization committed to helping people soar beyond their limitations, she helps others move past their pain, just as she did. Now, I am so excited to have with me my very, very Special! Oh my goodness, there's a red cap laid out for her. Very special and amazing guest. Now, um, you know, she's a life strategist. She's also a speaker and an, an award-winning author. I'm so excited. And she's also as well the founder of Dares to Soul Hire uh, and the president of Jamieson Group. So it is such an honor to have with me right here live all the way from Atlanta, Sharon Jamison, who's joining me live. Hi, Sharon! Hi, Alex. It is such a pleasure and such an honor to be in this special place with you today. So thank you so very much for the opportunity to join you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for just 
honoring us and for accepting our invitation and for making the time out to join us. And you know what? You know, wherever people are listening from right now around the world, whether it's right here in Nigeria or Africa, I know that this is going to be such a great conversation. And we're all going to be empowered because you are such an amazing – I'm such a big fan. I know right now, you know, I'm totally gushing, <laughs> but I'm such a big fan. So, um, you know, and I'm excited. I've been counting down the hours to this very moment. Now, here's what's – you know, I have a little tradition I always liked, and I'm sure people, everyone knows this right now, but I always like to know what the weather is like. And it's funny because just before you get got right on the show, it was raining here in Lagos. But what is the weather like where you are in nice Atlanta? Nice and shiny in Atlanta, probably around <laughs> 78 degrees. It's beautiful and um, not too humid, <laughs> so it's really a nice time right now. Very pretty. And I hate that it's raining over there, oh, wow. but it's beautiful here. Well, it's raining. It was great all day, but it started raining like an hour or two, you know, before the show. But here's the funny thing. In the African culture, we see rain as a blessing. So maybe it is a blessing because we're going to have royalty on the show, right? And so it's kind of <laughs> like when it rains, if it's just you know, if it, if it's like an auspicious moment or something special happening and it rains, it kind of feels like showers of blessings. So that's, you know, that's the African, you know, thing. So maybe it's a great thing that, you know, it kind of rained before you got on the show. So uh, this is really, really awesome. But you know what? For the sake of those who are listening right now and um, who may not have had the privilege, you know, to get to know you or to stumble on your work or what it is that you do, um, who would you say Sharon really is? I mean, what is your truth? How would you describe yourself? Sure. I would describe myself as a healer. And I mm. heal people in those broken places, in the places that people don't really want to talk about. Mm. When they have been um, hurt by religion, uh, people who have been hurt mm-hmm. by racism and sexism and other isms that really limit mm. people and, and, and negatively define people, I heal people in their relationships because many times we struggle about um, uh-huh. to, to navigate in a way that makes us feel proud of ourselves, to give up our power. So I, I'm a healer, and uh-huh. I use the pen, I use the platform, I use the pulpit, uh-huh. I use counseling, whatever I can use to really uh, help people with that message, that they are worthy, that they are visible, that they are valid, that, that they have a voice. And I think that's really, really important. So I describe myself as a healer, and however that needs to show up to meet people where they are, uh-huh. that's the medium that I use. And so I, I'm really happy to, to be in that space. I think it's a privilege that people invite me into their lives at the most critical and at the most vulnerable times in their life. And I, and I cherish those moments. I think it's an honor to be invited in when people feel that they're most fragile. So uh, that's what I am, Alex. I'm a healer, and I really uh, enjoy um, and really feel like it's a gift to be able to be with people mm-hmm. in, those, in those very sensitive places of their lives. You know, you just said something, and you, you, you said you're a healer, and I was trying to just sort of internalize that, and that is such a very – I feel like that's a very deep description of who you are. And just to be able to have the ability to be able to touch people – 
right, in different places, like you said, you know, whether it is through whatever medium that connects best to them, um, is such a rare gift that you have. And I'll be honest, I've stumbled on a couple of your videos, you know, even with the fact, and here's the thing, you never know too much. You don't know everything, you know. And even when you feel like you do, I mean, like, you're going to have those moments when we all need someone to inspire us and, you know, elevate us and empower us and motivate us. And not, we're not 100 every single minute of the day. And so there are times I stumble on your vlog, you know, something. And because that is a medium that attracts me or that speaks to me because I'm a visual person <laughs> and I stumble on it and I'm like, Mm, yeah, she's hidden something right there, you know. I'm like a ghost. You probably don't know, but I just watched those videos and I'm like, okay, I've seen this. Wow, you know, that's special. <laughs> and so, if if I'm impacted and if I feel like I'm impacted, then I can imagine, you know, just the people who get to spend time with you and you know, yeah, you know, get to get to welcome you into your life. So that is really important. And I think that we all need someone like that in our lives, you know, just to know that there's somebody out there that we can reach out to right and they can help us move through or go you know just overcome the things that we're going through but let's talk about you I mean I know that you're right now you're this healer you work with others to help them overcome whatever their pain is but let's talk about your own journey what was it like growing up I mean what was it like for Sharon growing up really or getting to this place that you are right now oh good question I, I have to say it was pretty painful growing up and the reason being is that I grew up in a time where um, America was really struggling with the, the end of uh, segregation. And so I was one of the only mm-hmm. black kids who integrated to school. And, and let me tell you, when you are not welcome, people have ways of showing you that, how, you know, that you're not welcome. <laughs> they, they, so, you know, they, mm-hmm. so I felt ignored. I, I felt invisible. Um, I was bullied. I was spit on. So I, it was really painful because when you're five and six, you don't have the, the, the knowledge or the self-value to understand that this is not normal. And so I learned to hate mm-hmm. myself, and I learned to ha- hate anybody who looked like me. And I really thought that I was a second-class citizen. And so I was so sad because I never felt worthy, and, and, and I never really talked about it until I became a mm-hmm. teenager. And when I was, became a teenager, I, I started doing really bad stuff to make myself feel better. One of it is that I started using food as a drug, and I pre, um, developed a bad eating disorder, trying to numb my pain of feeling less than and feeling ugly and stupid. And then, of course, mm-hmm. because we never want to address those wounds, I took it, all those pains and just kind of, you know, traveled with them to my um, adulthood. And I made a lot of bad decisions in my career. I made a bad decisions in my marriages. And so I've been married and divorced twice. I made a, a lot of bad decisions in picking my friends. Because when you don't love yourself, you really attract people in your life who will also treat you very miserably. And so, um, and so I, sure. I had to. I, mean, I was involved in this bad cycle of, of self-loathing and self-destruction, and and uh, so uh, when I start healing, that's when I started realizing how so far in the in the whole I was emotionally and spiritually. And so um, it was a journey to to heal. It probably took around ten years because I had to peel back mm-hmm. all of the layers, and I had Alex. I had really perfected the art of wearing a mask. But I didn't realize I had about 10 masks on. <laughs> I had 10 masks on. So every time I put one up, I realized I had more. 
And uh, so it was a process. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I really do this healing work because I realized that I was sabotaging my life and I was really um, inviting misery. Um, and I was really cutting my own throat, for lack of a, a better word. I wanted to, do, and I really used that very um, uh, that that analogy to show you that I was I had mm-hmm. this knife in my hand and I was cutting my own throat because I didn't like myself. And so, um, so I'm really happy that I, I healed. It, it was a long journey, and and I I really tried to use those same tactics that my therapist and the, the healers and the sister circles helped me because a lot of people helped me to get where I am today. And that's why I reached and tried to help people uh, identify their pain so they can name their pain so that they can start their own healing process and journeys. And you know what, Sharon, I am very sure that there are so many people right now who can totally connect and relate to your story. I mean, I can in some ways, you know, we've all been there where we make those kind of mistakes and we've been through pain. And you know what? We could have done something, but we did. But sometimes we need to go through all of that to sort of get to, like you said, you know, our healing spot. But um, just listening to that, and I think that is, it probably also is what makes what you do even more special because a lot of the times you can have like, you know, experts and coaches and people who necessarily haven't really been down that road, right? They don't really know firsthand, have that firsthand experience of what it is that it feels like to be in pain, right? Or to have the struggle or the, the limiting issues that other people have, but there's nothing like somebody who's walked down that road. You know what it feels like to carry that baggage and to, (laughs) to be part of this. And so, um, you know what it is, what it takes to get out of it because you have been down there and you've gotten back up and you've worked out of it. So this is truly, truly, truly amazing. But let me ask you, though, um, you know, and talking about that journey from, you know, that journey of overcoming your pain, what was it? What was the catalyst? What was that last, what was that final moment, you know, that moment when you realized, you know what, enough is enough. You know, I'm going to take the knife away from my troth. You know, I need to mm-hmm. just get out of this and, you know, turn this around and, you know, take back my life and take back my power. Where was that moment? What was it exactly that happened that you finally made the decision to just overcome all of this um, circle or, you know, yes, the circle in the sense? Sure. I wanted to kill myself. I, I didn't want to live anymore. And I can't remember if wow. it was one, um, uh, one incident. I think it was very, it was cumulative. I think that I kept carrying pain from, five years old, six years old, 12, you, you know, 13, all the way up. And I was really doing what I call emotional hoarding. And so it became heavy to my spirit. It became heavy to my heart. Um, I was crying all the time. I was lethargic. I, you know, I was gain 60 pounds, lose 70 pounds. I was going up and down. And um, and then I left, you know, I grew up in the church. My father's a minister. I left church for a while. Um, I was just, I was lost. And I and I didn't even know where to look, and and I couldn't look within because I I was so such a shallow thinker at that time, or I was mm-hmm. if I wasn't shallow. I was scared to look in and see what I was going to see, because so many mm-hmm. lies I was telling myself, and I walked around Alex with so much shame and so much embarrassment, and I couldn't talk about depression because in the black um, ethos over here in America, you know, we didn't talk about therapy. If you were talking said that you needed to mm-hmm. go to therapy, you were demonic, you know, you were less than. Mm-hmm. And so I just walked around collecting pain, and, and also I walked around hurting people because hurting people hurt people. 
And so I was miserable, and I treated other people miserably. And I just think I got tired. I I started really having um, dreams of killing myself, and that scared me. Because when you start thinking about how to, how to take yourself out, you know that you have hit rock bottom. Because I, I didn't want to uh-huh. get up in the morning. I was sleeping six, seven um, hours in the daytime, sleeping at night. It, it, my whole life, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, and physically, I was a mess, absolutely a mess. So I think the collective and cumulative pain has got to be so much that I just wanted, I wanted out. And, 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 and that started looking like a great option. And so that's why I knew to, to get, get help. But I got therapy. I got um, a psychiatrist and psychologist, and, and I started the process. I found a good sister circle. I had to leave the church because the church was perpetuating some of the pain because um, mm-hmm. the church told me mm-hmm. not to go get help. So I had to leave the church for mm-hmm. about 10 years. And so um, I had to really unlearn and relearn who I was outside of what society said I was. I had to take off the shackles of racism and sexism and ageism and homophobia and all those different isms that kept defining me and making me play small in the world. And that took time because some of the things you don't even realize you think negatively about yourself. You start um, accepting messages as if they are true. For example, I thought that black people were second-class citizens, even though on one level Uh I didn't think that. I acted as if I was a second-class citizen because I had seen uh-huh. that all my life. So some, so some of these messages, we are totally unconscious, but we perpetuate them in how we lie and how we live and how we love. And so I had to do some healing and, uh-huh. and do some, some extravation of those bad messages so I can really start seeing who I was and seeing who I was not. That was really hard, too. Because I uh-huh. because I started thinking that I was my positions and my education and I was my house and I was uh-huh. all these other outside influences that that made me feel valuable because I didn't have any value I didn't uh-huh. feel valuable just because of who I was but I felt valuable uh-huh. because of my success and so I had to really separate Sharon from the success and that took some time I didn't I don't really think I did that very well until my mid thirties. And now I'm over 50, but it took a while. It took a while for me to be able to do that and do it successfully and consistently. And I still have to do that today because those old messages still pop up when, when, you, when I'm feeling mm-hmm. insecure. And, and even though I'm the coach, it's not honest when people say they never feel inadequate. We all do it at some part sure. in some ways in our life. And I, but when I see it, I recognize it and I speak to it versus letting it run. Those feelings run rapid in my spirit and, and rapid in my um, rampant in my in my head. You know, it, it you said so. You said quite a number of things, and here in Africa as well. I mean, um, you know, it's not part of the tradition or the culture if you are dealing with any form of pain for you to kind of like on first thought, you know, want to go see a shrink or a psychologist or a counselor or something like that. It's not really the African thing as well. You know, I had, I remember when I was going through my own separation and divorce, I mean, I pretty much, I was, you know, like I was dealing with that by myself. You know, I was dealing with media and the press and everybody judging and talking and, I was dealing with the issue of me having to, you know, what I have was I going to get back my life? And so I, I know what that feels like to, and I was lying. Like, you know, I would go out and lie, you know, on a red carpet and like, <laughs> how are you? And I'm good. I'm fine. You know, and how is your, how is your marriage? And like, we're great. We're good. You know, but I was doing that. Like, and that was just killing me because I was afraid to own up to just, 
what was going on on the inside. And like you said, you know, we're great at putting up those masks. And, you know, you keep doing that and you do that. And one day it gets so much and you're tired. Like, so I truly understand what you're saying, you know, having to bustle up all the pain and just everything that you're going through and not being, but you somehow found the strength and the courage to seek for help and sort of, you know, stop working on it and get on it. And like you said, truly, even for coaches, we're all humans. We're human beings. Not every day is a great day. You know, there are days when you're going to feel like, oh, you're overwhelmed at work or stress or whatever it is. And you're going to feel like, okay, you do need some form of motivation. But the great thing about it is that you know what that means. You're clearing your head about that this is one of those things trying to get back, and you, you know how to sort of rein it before it overpowers you. So I truly understand that. But you know what, Sharon, how about we take – let's take a quick – let's take a quick commercial break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Talk with Alex Okurji, and yes, my name is Alex Okurji, and that hasn't changed yet. <laughs> You're still listening to the Creative Expression, and yes, I'm coming to you live out of Lagos, Nigeria, in the heart of Africa. And just before we went on that little commercial break, I was talking to my very special guest. Yes, she is a life strategist. She is also an amazing speaker and an award-winning author. And she's joining me live all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, in the USA. And it's such a pleasure, you know, just talking to Sharon Jameson. And she's been, you know, basically sharing a little bit of her journey, moving from pain to power. Now, if you're listening, wherever you're listening from around the world, whether you're here, right here in Nigeria, in Africa, or wherever you are, and I've seen people Jump into the chat room and you're in. Yes, the live chat room is, yeah, the chat room is live. The institute 
chat room is live. So you can leave a message if you want to ask Sharon a question, if you have a question for Sharon or for me or a contribution or a comment or you want to call in, don't forget the number to call is plus one two and five three eight three three seven six six. if you're calling from outside the U.S. If you're calling from within the U.S., make sure to dial us a local number. And don't forget to use your hand raising effects. Please press one. You have to press one so we know that you want to speak and we'll get you right into the conversation. Now, don't forget, as well, you can also leave uh, your comments in the chat room or you can send me a message on WhatsApp. Or you can tweet at me. You can tweet at Alex Okurchi and hashtag The Naked Talk. And, of course, your tweets will be retweeted and will be read on the show. So, yes, uh, hi, Sharon. Welcome back. It sounds good. Hi, Alex. So glad to be here again. <laughs> Welcome back. Well, just before we went on that, you know, on that little break, I mean, you um, you kind of talked a little bit about what it was that sort of, you know, was a catalyst, you know, that defining moment when you decided to just take control of your life. And you said it was at that moment when you started thinking about taking your own life. I mean, you were saying that in your dream and you knew that, you know, you had gotten to rock bottom and something needed to be done. But let me ask you this. What would you say now, going through all of the different things that you've been through, all that adversity in a sense, um, and maybe some people don't notice that, but, you know, some people do, what would you say are the strengths that were revealed, you know, during those times? Um, did, you, did you notice something? Yeah, I mean, yes, we, we, you probably noticed your weakness, which is normal. We all notice what makes us weak, right, our flaws and our imperfections. But somehow in the middle of all of that, did you notice what your strengths were? During that, during those challenging times. Yes, I did. What a great question. What I realized about me was that I was really tenacious, because even though I was uh-huh. hurting, even though I was sad, even though uh, uh-huh. I felt less than, I was still performing well at my job. I went to work uh-huh. every day. I still was a superstar in corporate America. I still uh-huh. was you know, helping people, I was still personal training. So even in the midst uh-huh. of my pain, I still was able to perform. And that really made me uh-huh. know that I was tenacious and that I would overcome the situation. Um, the second thing I would say I, I knew is that I, I realized that I was an, uh, a person, what I call an initiator. When I realized uh-huh. I was getting dangerously uh, fantasizing about what was taking my life, at that time, I, I got into, I, I started, I made a plan. I said, okay, go get you a therapist, go get you a, um, a sister circle, go get you some support. I started making a plan uh-huh. to get out of it. And I, I think that's really, uh-huh. really key because many times I see with some of my clients, I didn't, they get stuck. So I didn't get stuck. Uh-huh. I'm not saying I've made all the right decisions, but I, uh-huh. I knew not to stay in it. I knew to start reaching uh-huh. out to get help. And so I was courageous uh-huh. enough. To, to to look beyond my embarrassment because I was embarrassed because I'm thinking, wait uh-huh. a minute, I'm just superstar at work and I'm doing well and uh-huh. I'm going to be judged. Something inside of me knew that courage to tell the truth was more important than than protecting uh-huh. this image. And um, I'm really proud uh-huh. of that because I think many times in society we, we want to protect the image of who we are versus really honor the the, the, the reality of who we are. And so I learned that I was pretty, pretty much an initiator. And then I learned that I was very disciplined. I kind of knew that because I was mm. really successful in school. And, and even in the midst of craziness and chaos, I was still able to perform. Mm-hmm. But when 
my coaches or my trainers or my therapists told me to to do to take these steps, I did them. I did. I didn't run from the pain mm-hmm. even when it was ugly. I didn't run with the pain when I saw felt. I saw my, how I was complicit in my own de- uh, demise. Mm-hmm. I did not feel uh, run from my pain when I realized I was really acting stupid and I was allowing myself to be um, emotionally and verbally abused by 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 lovers. Mm-hmm. And, and many times we want to run mm-hmm. from that, but I was able to to go through the pain with my eyes wide open, feel the shame, feel the embarrassment, feel mm-hmm. the humiliation, but keep walking forward. And um, that's what I learned about myself. Did I cry the whole way? Absolutely. Did I eat more cupcakes <laughs> than I should? Absolutely. Did I maybe tell a couple of people off and I shouldn't have? Absolutely. So I did all of that also. <laughs> But I never gave up, and I think it was my tenacity and my discipline that made me keep holding on even when I wanted to give up. And so I'm really grateful for that. So I, I like I said, I learned some things about myself, but I also it really strengthened those things that I need to be true about myself. And now even when I want to give up, I have to remember. I remind myself, Sharon, you're tenacious. Remember, that's not who you are. And and just re- mm-hmm. having that that testimony of my son hanging in there even when I want to give up. And so that's what I learned. And I'm really proud because I needed to learn those things about myself because I started to perseverate around about all the things that I were that I was not. And so I held on to those things. Those four or five things that I that made me proud of who I was and that helped me and gave me the strength and the confidence to keep moving forward to um to, to get on the other side of the pain so I can be healed. You know, this is so this is so meaningful. And I know you do have a book called I I've learned uh, I've learned some things or what I've learned. I've learned some things. Uh-huh. Um but wait but yeah, you know, so you were saying that and that just, you know, I just thought of your book, but it's, you know, you said things that are really, really important. And sometimes when we go through like challenges, we're so focused on all the things that we're not right. Instead of, mm-hmm. As opposed to also thinking of the things that we are. And so you, you probably identified things, you know, very rare things and things that people usually would not, you know, during those kind of circumstances, the fact that you are tenacious and you were disciplined and you, and when you say that, I also think about, and not a lot of people are that, you know, um, aware, really aware of themselves Mm -hmm. or aware of the things that are going on in their lives and may not have that clarity in a sense because you knew that. And sometimes even when you have those down days, you remember, it's kind of like a reminder for you that, you know what, like you said, you know, you're tenacious, you, you know, you can get over this, you know, that you're this and you're this. And somehow that helps to give, get you going. Because a lot of the times we go through this uh, and we focus on the things that, you know, that drag us down and not the things that we're good at. And that's why we never get out of it. And when you, you were saying that, I was also thinking of, you know, just the things that I personally have been through and, you know, sometimes people ask me, how do you do it, Alex? You know, sometimes I forget, you know, like I really forget that, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not living the stereotype. Like, you know, I'm a single mom raising a child by myself. You know, I'm a career single mom, you know, and I have to do the things mm-hmm. that people, you know, and, you know, with a normal standard family with, you know, with the parents, with both parents have to do. I'm mom and I'm dad. and But I forget, you know, sometimes I forget because you realize that the, those things, those qualities, those things that, you know, may have been dominant, because, you know, if 
life was perfect or rosy or it was just the way that you want it may have not come maybe I wouldn't have even discovered some of the things that I just I you know I'm doing right now or the things that I could do so sometimes challenges kind of triggers um just some of the great qualities or the things about us that we may have not noticed but let me ask you this I know that now you are this amazing coach and you are a healer and you're constantly helping people transform their lives and overcome, you know, their pain. But what is it that you like? What do you like the most about just um, helping others transform their lives? I mean, what, is it, what does it do for you? What do you enjoy, you know, helping people to heal? Sure. First, it makes my heart sing. It makes my heart <laughs> sing when I see people uh, come in one way and they leave feeling proud of themselves. And I love when people mm-hmm. can bear witness to their own truth. And it's not that I say mm-hmm. it, but when they say it, when they realize it, when they are able to identify all the wonderful things that they are, when they recognize that they are bold, brilliant, and beautiful, I think that's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. I think so many times in this society, we women are socialized to downplay our gifts and downplay our strengths mm-hmm. and downsize our lives. But when people realize that they mm-hmm. take up space, that they are, are mm-hmm. competent and confident and capable. It's something about when that light switch turns and people start really mm-hmm. uh, become illuminated about who they are. That makes me want to turn a cartwheel. Mm-hmm. And it makes my heart, it gives me joy. That's the word. It brings me joy to see people who, who may have initially been defeated, but now they feel elevated. Mm-hmm. Now they feel confident. Now they love themselves. Because I know and realize that when you love yourself, you are empowered. You are courageous. Mm-hmm. You can follow your own conscience and not the crowd. And that's a very powerful mm-hmm. place to be. And I also know when people love themselves, they are only really ready to be in relationships with others. And I think that when sure. we come into relationships, I don't care if it's personal or professional, knowing our worth, mm-hmm. we can really collaborate with people versus being controlled or compete with people. And that's powerful. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing that self-love, and you, and you can see it, and it's, and it's such a transition. And that's why I, was, I love to tell my clients to journal. Because many times, just like mm-hmm. you said, we forget our strength. We forget. We think it's normal that we can be single parents, but it's not. We are we uh-huh. are the the elite, and I want people to realize to bear witness to 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 bear testimony to themselves, and I think that journaling uh-huh. does that, and and that's why I think I was able to identify my pain growing up because I've been journaling since I was probably six years old. We called it a diary in the, in the olden days. I kept uh-huh. a diary, and 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 being able to see the progression. Of my of my own journey and see the progression of my own strength in my own journals helps me see the see the 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 transformation and it helps me bear witness to my own strength and sometimes we need to be able to encourage ourselves and see ourselves but we can only bear witness to ourselves when we realize our journeys and bear witness to our journeys and talk about our journeys and share our journeys. And I think those things are really, really important to bear witness and to share because after we have overcome it, the journey is no longer ours. It has served its purpose. Now we have to repurpose it and, and use our journey to help other people heal also. 
You know, uh, you're you're so correct, and I can also be a witness to the power of John Lynn because that's how I actually saved my own life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, and I did mention I mentioned that you know I said to you that it's not a culture here to firsthand go find a psychologist or a shrink or whatever it is. It's not. I mean, not in the African setup. And then again, in my own case, that it was even worse because being um, I don't like to use the word a celebrity, but being, you know, being an actress and being out there and worrying about the media and worrying about what people would say and worrying about waking up in the newspaper the next day, the only person <laughs> that I could really trust was myself, you know, like, but it wasn't like, it wasn't my, it was to put it out, it was just to put it out there. I felt like, you know, I kind of needed to write it down and write how I was feeling and how I, you know, I felt today and the things that I'd learned and things that I'd noticed and things. And, and then one day I took a leap of faith and I said, you know what, I'm not going to be the only one reading this thing. Let me put it out there. And the first thing I did was put it out on Facebook and just the feedback that I got from people, you know, just those who could relate with what I'd been through, those who have been there or know someone who's been there and just that reaction. And sometimes we really do think that we were so embarrassed about, you know, like you said, our image, you know, about denting our image and the perception and, you know, that we've already built around ourselves and our brown brand and everything else. But I think that was like my first leap of faith and I did that. And then it, that became something that ended up growing into me setting my blog and now sharing just my thoughts and being open and just all the things that I've been through and the things that I think. And so you're right when you say journaling is such a powerful tool because we forget about a lot of things, you know, now it seems like, you know, all of it, but I remember so many things that have happened from when my house got burned to so many things that have happened, but it's great that you, when you put them down, it also helps you track just how far you've come and how far you still need to go. And, you know, and so and so I, I really think that, that that's so true. But let me ask you this. I mean, we all have things. I mean, you said what makes you, what makes it fun, you know, the, the best part of helping to heal people and how your heart sings. But what is the least fun part of it? Is, do you feel, is there any least fun part of it? Is there a part, part of, you know, helping to transform people um, or helping, to, helping other people to heal that gets at you or brings you down and makes you feel sad? Is there a... a and not so fun part of it. Yes. Oh, good question. I, I, the part that's challenging for me that sometimes frustrates me is that mm-hmm. people sometimes don't put in the work. I think people mm-hmm. forget that healing is, is not instantaneous, it's incremental. Mm-hmm. And so many times mm-hmm. that if people, they want that, that microwave effect. And I tell them, listen, it took you 20 years to get messed up. It's not gonna, you're not going to be fixed in 20 mm-hmm. minutes. But but some people mm-hmm. get very frustrated and they stop doing the work, and so so they stop doing the work, they stop going to therapy, and then I see them a year later and we're in the same space, and they and they they, mm-hmm. they come back with the same pain, and so I think that's mm-hmm. really difficult that people won't um, stay the course. The second thing I think is that people don't want to tend to not want to invest resources in coaching, and um, so mm-hmm. they 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 don't they don't respect it. And I and I tell um, and I always say this: it's it's challenging to me when people will will spend two thousand dollars for a weave on top of their head, <laughs> but not spend you know two hundred dollars to get something clear in their heart. It's like the priorities mm-hmm. are messed up, and they don't understand it. Doesn't matter if you look if you you look cute, but you're clueless. You know, are you you driving mm-hmm. a, a, a you you driving a fine car, but you have no direction, 
or are you you know mm-hmm. you 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 have nice clothes on but you're broken inside. And so I think sometimes the priorities that people want to look good versus feel good or they want to feel good but they want uh-huh. it to be free, that they sometimes don't respect the, the, the work, the training, the time that it takes for us to be prepared as coaches to help them. Um, it's just not our own history that helps us, but there are techniques, coaching techniques, listening techniques, communication uh-huh. techniques. We do a lot of training to, to be able to be able to extract information from them and to help them to be able to see their, their themselves. It takes a lot of training, and I think many times people want to not make that investment, and that's frustrating sometimes too because um, they, 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 they want what we call in America the hookup. They want it to be, <laughs> to be cheap, but they spend their money on, on, on outside things that really have no value. And I, and I tell my clients, uh-huh. it doesn't matter if you feel beautiful on the outside, but you're broken on the inside because the inside is what's making the decisions because our, our private uh-huh. pain always shows up in public ways. Our private pain always shows up in public ways. So I tell them it doesn't matter if you look cute publicly. You're, everybody sees your insecurity. Everybody sees your sense mm-hmm. of care. If you have on a ten thousand dollar yeah. dress, you can always tell a woman when she walks in if she lacks confidence. So you just you're just a woman with mm-hmm. no confidence in, in an expensive dress. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so that's what yeah. really, really I think the most two challenging things that I deal with in my work is that people won't stay the course and people don't want to make the investment. And I tell people, and I believe in myself that. You are your own best investment, and if you're not going to invest in yourself, why would you ever expect someone else to? And uh, so I, that those are the things that I that I think are challenging for me. And but um, however, um, I think when people know better, they do better. My Angelo, uh, the mm-hmm. late my Angelo, uh, taught us that. So I'm hoping that people mm-hmm. realize their worth and invest in themselves first, because a healthy you and empowered you will change the trajectory of your life. You know, you just, I, I think that you say it so, I, I think that you say so, like, if you know your worth, then really you want to invest in yourself. I mean, think about it. And you said something, you said something, you know, about having to fall in love with yourself or love yourself. And, you know, I, I just thought about that because I remember, like, you know, when I was trying to, like, um, um, just basically overcome my own challenges, right, you start to really like you said you have to invest in certain things whether in the right books in the right programs or even if it's just your me time you know that investment could be something as simple as your me time or caring you know what goes in and how mm-hmm. great you feel on the inside and you know I said something recent and I've been saying this a lot like for some reason no matter what's happening on the outside right now, I don't feel, I kind of feel like a sense of peace, even in the midst of chaos. It's strange, but it's true. Yes. It's almost like, you know, you know, everything is falling apart, but it's not shaking me on the inside because I found a certain peace. You know, I've fallen yes. in love with myself. I found a place where I'm feeling like, you know what, as long as I'm good inside, it doesn't really matter if, you know, I'm having a bad hair day or whatever. Oh, you know, my the truth God, is, yes. <laughs> you know, the truth is right now I'm just good inside and, and that's what matters. But we seem to be putting the wrong you know, putting the wrong investment in the wrong things as opposed to 
just and the truth is if you're great inside it also shows up on the outside because then you know your personality radiates and people don't even need to see your face to know if you're happy or if you're you know if you're you know a good person or if you're what because they can feel it you know from just how yes. you, you so <laughs> right yes. so these I, I things are really, my, my um doctor i'm sorry no, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Go ahead. What, what I remember my pastor said something. He said, it's okay to, to be in a storm, but just don't let the storm be in you. And I think that mm-hmm. that is so powerful when we don't let the storm be in us, and it kind of really resonates to what you said about being happy on the inside. And when we are happy and balanced on the inside, we can be in a tsunami and still be an emotional tsunami and still be okay. So that's why I think that inner peace is so powerful because with inner peace comes inner clarity and with inner clarity comes courage and with courage comes confidence and confidence comes liberation. And and that's what we all are trying to do anyway is liberate ourselves from paradigms that don't support us or liberate ourselves from traditions or liberate ourselves from depression. We always are trying to set ourselves free so we're not bonded are in bondage, are in mm-hmm. anything. So I think that's so important what you said. So I just want to bear witness to what you said was so powerful. Amazing. You know what, uh, Sharon, I feel like we need just a little bit of music right here. In this, and I know that the people tuned into the show, um, if you have a you know, if you have a comment or a question or whatever it is, you can leave a comment in the chat room or you can call into the show and contribute to the conversation with my very special guest. Uh, she is an amazing life strategist, uh, a great speaker, and an award-winning author of three books. And uh, we're going to talk about your books and a lot more stuff when we come back right after this musical break. And this is Maybe by Peter Kelly. Peter Kelly has been a guest on the show, I think twice, I'm not sure, <laughs> right? Uh, but this is one of the most beautiful songs, and I don't know why I love it, but I feel like it's pretty appropriate for this conversation. So we'll be back. This is Maybe. Enjoy. Maybe I'm someone Maybe I'm nobody special at all A good son or somebody's best friend Invisible Maybe I'm growing Maybe I've already passed my prime Maybe I'm looking for some place to hide What the world decides Maybe it's me Or maybe I just don't like what I see Lately, maybe the world don't like me Yeah, I wonder what they all think about me Lately, maybe the world's not for me Maybe she loves me Maybe I'm loved just for being me But if not for the man that I am Then for who I try to be Maybe they're with me, yeah Maybe they're all gonna prove 
And there are people who are dealing, there are people constantly dealing with lots of stuff every day. Um, you know, while I was talking to you, I received an email, you know, so you're looking at it and thinking, oh my goodness, you know, there are people who are really paying attention and are enjoying what you're sharing. But let me ask you this. I know that you're the author of three books, if I'm correct, three books. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But let's talk, about, let's, talk about your first, let's talk about your first book, um, I Can Depend On Me, right? And, you know, just basically what the you know what the book was about what is the book about really i know that you do share a couple of principles in that book um but what was it that triggered you writing that book now i know that you've had lots of experience and you know not everyone who goes through whatever they go through decide that they can write you know put the book together but you definitely knew that you wanted to do something with that book so what is this book about what triggered you writing this book you know and what can we learn from it Sure, sure. I, I see. It's interesting. I can depend on me was when I hit rock bottom when I mentioned to you earlier, mm-hmm. and I had been mm-hmm. journaling, like I said, forever. And um, so when I hit rock bottom, I just started writing, and and really just not mm-hmm. even writing everything, but reading some of my old journals. But the book starts off when I was in kindergarten, and it takes me to the eighth grade. And what I did was I wanted people to understand the emotional and and spiritual violence that racism is on a child's spirit. Mm-hmm. So I brought people into the classroom, and I explained what it felt like to feel invisible, to feel punched, to feel mm-hmm. spit on. I explained mm-hmm. to what it felt like to to be ignored, to have kids jump on me, for my teacher to hit me in the head with a chair. I, I let them mm-hmm. feel those examples. I let them feel what it felt like when I was trying to buy people with donuts to be my friend. I, I wanted them to uh. see what I was doing and how every time I tried to make somebody love me, how it was really eating chunks out of my own self-esteem, how I was so trying, uh. I was hustling for love, and how it was eroding my self-esteem, my self-confidence. I also talk about um, when I was in sixth grade, I talk about how the the teacher perpetuated racism by calling African savages and all the things that I heard uh-huh. my teachers say about black people. And how did I um, deal with those feelings and going home and feeling like nothing? Because the, the school said I was nothing, the the, um, the treatment said I was nothing, the my school book said I was nothing, the Catholic church said I was nothing. So everything told me I was nothing. So by the time I was in eighth grade, I had really started feeling and sensing the impact of depression. I was probably depressed when I was in eighth grade because that's when my eating disorder um, probably well, 10, 11 years old when my eating disorder started really surfacing. So I, I take people through the, those experiences and so feel that pain and feel the pain of not having the skills to deal with it. I didn't have the skills to push back. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the self-love to say, you know what, I don't care what you say about me. I don't believe it. So I believed everything that people said about me. So I talk about mm-hmm. that, and I stop at the eighth grade. And then at the book, I talk about how I had to un- unravel and unlearn those lessons that told me that I was nothing, and that the only and after every chapter says I could depend on me, just God and me, because that's all I had. Because there was no place to have those conversations. There was no place to say I feel ugly and stupid and dumb. There was no place in the black community to say, listen, I feel scared of of of, of, of black people. I feel scared of white people. You didn't say those things. So you just kept those things uh-huh. in your spirit, and um, and those things polluted my soul and con- contaminated my spirit in ways that it took me 20 years to to heal. So my first book is about that journey, and and that's why it's called I Can Depend on Me because all I had was myself. 
myself in God to start trying to make sense out of what was really um, made no sense. Because racism makes no sense. Inequality makes no sense uh, to me. And so that's that whole process of what it did to my 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 self image and my self understanding. It really eroded that. And I talk about that and. And I hope those experiences, when people read it, they see the violence to a child's soul. Cause, because a child should never have to feel so unworthy. But that's what racism does. And mm-hmm. so I wanted people to see that. And so that's the first book. You know, and and, and here's something that's, that that is speaking to me, is that, you know, I can depend on me or I can depend on me, you know, isn't just necessarily, even though it's your story and your journey, isn't necessarily just Sharon, that I could be I, you know, it could be a catalyst for even I myself who gets to read that book to realize that I can depend on myself, you know, that it's up to me to, you know, get moving and to overcome those you know that pain and move forward. If I'm, if I look at it, I'm looking at I as really pregnant as I could be, you and me and anyone and everyone, right? Who yes, yes. read it and and learn something from it. Yes, and that's and that's my hope. My my hope is that people can read the book and I and 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 go through my journey, but also see themselves in my story. Because everybody mm-hmm. has suffered mm-hmm. from self-esteem. Everybody has been hurt. Everybody has felt rejected. Everybody has felt minimized. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the label. So the book has a universal message mm-hmm. that whatever you need is already in your spirit, already in your soul. Mm-hmm. And we have everything mm-hmm. we need to win. And, and I hope that, mm-hmm. that that's the message that people that resonates with people, that everything we have is already inside of us and that you can depend on you because you are enough. And uh, that's my message that I hope people hear and see and believe. Okay. Well, you know what? I have a question. There's a question from one of our listeners, Mary, and she sent in a question on WhatsApp, and I kind of need to make sure that we take this. I know we don't have so much time left before the show, uh, before we wrap it up, but, you know, I need to take this, and I have to read this. Um, This is from Mary. She says, um, hi, Sharon. I love your voice. Many people are constantly struggling with fear. How can they let go of the shame that come with being limited by pain? Okay. <laughs> I might need to read this again. She says, um, hi, Sharon. I love your voice. Many people are constantly struggling with fear. How can they let go of the shame that come with being limited by pain? Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Did you get that? Yes. I think there are two questions. How to overcome fear, I think the only way that you can overcome fear is to keep moving. And I think that people uh-huh. wait, Alex, for this magic feeling of fear to go away. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Uh-huh. So, um, you, 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 you recognize that you're fearful, and you recognize that you feel scared, and you keep moving. Because uh-huh. the more you don't uh-huh. move, the more paralyzing fear becomes. And, and, and uh-huh. fear becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think the first thing to do when you feel totally fearful and immobilized and incapacitated by fear is to start moving forward. And that momentum, because really when you think about it, things are not as scary as when you start moving. It's really the unknown uh-huh. that scares you. So I, I tell people move forward, start moving forward toward the known, and I think that that um, will help us with fear because fear is always there. The second question I think she she says that how do you get over the shame of the pain? And mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. the way to get over shame is to speak it. 
I think that mm-hmm. something that Maya Angelou says when she was alive, she said, our secrets make us sick. And I think that not only do our secrets make us sick, our secrets make us sink in despair and dysfunction and pathology. So I think the best thing mm-hmm. to do with shame is just say it. Say it. And, uh, and it's hard. Uh, one of the things that really liberated me when I said, I feel insecure or I have an eating disorder, or I can't control my food. Mm-hmm. I let it out, and I let myself be known. Because when you let yourself mm-hmm. be known, the universe has a way of sending support to you. Because we are not by sure. ourselves. And, and it's so important that nobody heals in isolation anyway. And I want people to hear that. Success and healing never happen in isolation. They happen in community. And however you define mm-hmm. community. So the first thing to say, to do with shame is to speak it and to speak it loudly. Not to anybody. I just want to say that. To people who you can mm-hmm. trust. To people who understand mm-hmm. the meaning of loyalty and confidentiality. Get it why journalism, journaling is so important. Sometimes it's the energy, the energy that happens when you say it and put it on paper so you can look at it. Start mm-hmm. to to disempower the shame, but I think the thing to do with shame is to speak it, speak it in a safe space, in a sacred space, and and you'd be surprised that people will stand and sit with you in that space, and uh, so that's what I would say. Um, speak this the shame uh, in a healing space and know that it's okay, and that really you have nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and I know that's easier said than done, but. Find a healing circle, a sister circle, a therapist, and say it and let it out. Because after you say it and let it out, we can start addressing it from a place of power and from a place of humility versus a place of humiliation. And that's really, really key. Oh, I well, that was that is so true. You know, that is so true. And I'm all for speaking out. <laughs> we, you know that I'm all for speaking out. So that is so true. I hope, Mary, your questions were answered. Um, you know, and just before we go for a little break, let me ask you this, Sharona, because and this came out of something that you said. Now, I do know that, like you said, you know, speaking it out and speaking in a safe, you know, safe space or safe place is easier said than done, but it's what is needed. It's what we all know that's what's needed. But most people are embarrassed about their truth, and we've said that. But how, how do you now, or how have you, and I know I probably can think of ways that you have, but for the sake of the listeners, how have you leveraged the lessons that you've learned, in a sense, to sort of, you know, maybe elevate your, your, your personal life? or maybe even your career, what have you, you know, have you leveraged on those experiences? Because I don't, re- I don't think that people realize that sometimes with the truth that they can actually use the truth to empower themselves, right? But you've been able to do that. How have you done that, you know, leveraging on that, on the lessons that you've learned? Sure. What a great question. I think our truth liberates us. Because I think that uh, a free people, free people, right? So I use my truth to liberate myself, but to liberate my other people. And I think that the when people speak their truth, it makes them vulnerable to a place that people mm-hmm. can relate. And I think that when people can relate, they can they can connect to you, and that has really helped me with my platform. Now I'm very, uh, but I, mm-hmm. I want to say I only that are healed. Because I think many times mm-hmm. we have to be careful as healers that if we are in the healing process that we keep it to ourselves so we don't bleed on people. I say you talk when mm-hmm. there's a scar, not when it's an open sore. And so something mm-hmm. that I keep to myself. But I think that when we are, are, are healed, the, the lesson is no longer ours. 
And the lesson is to 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 give to others because we all are midwives mm-hmm. in some way. And I think we all usher people into healing in our own ways. You and I have platforms for other mm-hmm. people to do a one-on-one. And I think what, what mm-hmm. how you leverage it is to tell the truth, tell it mm-hmm. as authentically as you can, and, and tell the truth knowing that everybody is not going to be happy that you're talking. And I think many times that's why we don't <laughs> tell our truth because they, they think, oh, God, somebody's people are going to be embarrassed. I'm going to embarrass my family. Exactly. <laughs> you are the one that has to live with the pain uh, internally. I'm not mm-hmm. saying embarrass your family. I'm never saying that. Mm-hmm. But you have to free mm-hmm. yourself. And if, if it means that you have to stay in bondage to make somebody feel okay, that's not all right. We should never hold ourselves hostage for our families. I'm not saying tell everything, but mm-hmm. I tell enough in a healthy, uh, sacred space so that you can start releasing the pain, so that you can let some pain go. Um, because w- if we don't let it go, all we do is accumulate uh, and we become more bitter, more pathetic, more self-loathing, m- more uh, self-sabotaging, and we start to not only hurt us, but we start to hurt everybody who's associated with us. Because remember, pain loves misery. And so we start to bleed, mm-hmm. and our pain, pain is like a cancer that, that metastasizes, and it becomes malignant. So we have to identify, extract it, and address it, and address it in a way that we would never, never close your mouth to make somebody else feel okay. That's not all right. I want people to honor themselves and to, and to share their truth from a place that they can. And, uh, and of course, if it's not healed, be quiet until you're healed and then share because you don't want to bleed and you don't want to, to, to intensify your own wound because you have not healed, gone through the healing process yourself. You know, that is so true. And I can totally relate to that because a lot of the times we're worried about other people's opinions about the things that we've been through or not making people, other people around us or those surrounded by us look bad. But by so doing, suppress all of the pain and the things that we're dealing with. And at the end of the day, we're the ones dealing with it because everybody goes to bed. You know, they sleep at night and you're the one who's tossing and turning with all that pain and all that baggage. And I can, you know, testify to that because I remember when I, I like I said at the beginning of the show, when I would get on the red carpet and say, I'm good, and they ask, how are you, Mrs. Alex? And I'm like, oh, we're great, we're happy, we're fine. And I was lying. And part of why I was lying was not just really just about me, because I couldn't really care, you know, but it was also about my family. I was worried about my yeah. dad. I was worried about my mom. I was worried about protecting the image that they have and, you know, them worrying about me. You know, I was worried about my family and people saying, you know, me sort of indirectly embarrassing other people. Right? Sure. But then it just got to the point where I realized that it was no longer necessary. Like, it didn't make any sense to me. I'd had enough of it. I was tired of it because I stopped going out. You know, I, was, I stopped going out wow. because I was afraid of being asked any question, right? I didn't <laughs> want to lie anymore, and I didn't want to tell the truth. So I was like, okay, don't go out. So, like, you know, that, you, know you can just avoid having that conversation anyway. But then that was also yes. affecting me because I wouldn't work. You know, it's a, so you start to, and, and I'm saying this to buttress the point that you're saying, and that is that you need to speak. You can't, you know, you don't have to protect somebody else. You know, like, like you said, you need to speak. Um, you're not going to have to make somebody else look good. for you. And, and the truth is there's so many great things that have come out from me just being honest and sharing the truth. So many. I can't really think of any negative. I can't think of. It doesn't really matter the two, three voices who think you, could, you didn't have to say anything. 
what right. matters is really the truth. No, it doesn't really matter those who are worried about perception. I mean, no, it, what matters is really the truth and how that truth gets you to where you need to go and how you need to get better. And the truth is, you know, when I started being honest about, you know, lots of, lots of things, my life changed, you know, for the better. So, um, you know, this has been such a great conversation with you, Sharon. Um, I don't oh, know, like, you. do you have, <laughs> this has been really amazing, and I'm sure that even for those who are going to listen to the Akite show and listen to, you know, to the recorded podcast, they're definitely going to be empowered because there's so much. You, like, threw bombs all over <laughs> the airspace. <laughs> you just threw bombs all over the so I know, I know that, you know, this, we're all going to be empowered by um, the great conversation. But just be, you know, any final words, you know, before we let you go, um, just something that we can take with us on the road, right, today, sure. then we have to remember. <laughs> sure. I, I think I would want to, to give people three things that I think is so important mm-hmm. as they are going through this journey called life. One is mm-hmm. to be, get clarity about who you are and what you want and what you need. Because mm-hmm. if you don't know what mm-hmm. you want, you you open yourself up to be manipulated by others. And uh, so know mm-hmm. who you are, know what you want, know what you need. So that's clarity. The second thing I would say is be courageous. And I think that's really difficult, mm-hmm. but it's easier to be courageous when you have clarity about who you are and who you're not. I mm-hmm. would always like to tell mm-hmm. people to follow their conscience and not the crowd and follow their truth and not tradition. And if they, when they have clarity of what's their truth, they can follow it from a place of power. So I think mm-hmm. courage, being courage is so important. And then the third thing I would say is be committed to the process. I think the healing is a process. It's a journey. It's a wonderful journey. We are all strengthened by struggle. And I think that if people will stay committed to the process and to the journey, when they get on the other side, they're going to be amazed by their power. They are going to be amazed mm. by their strength. They're going to be amazed at their capacity to love and at their capacity to forgive. So I think I would say that. Mm-hmm. The fourth thing is to be uh, have self-compassion. We beat ourselves up so badly. When we do something wrong, we berate ourselves, we demean ourselves, we devalue ourselves, we say things to ourselves that we would never let another human being say. If they did, we would try to beat them up, right? But we say it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I want people to have some compassion. You always know that you're doing the best that you can at that appointed time. And when you know better, like my mm-hmm. ancestors said, you would do better. So those are the four things I would say. Get clear about who you are. Be courageous. Stay committed to the process and have compassion. Sometimes you're going to get it right, and sometimes you're going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's all part of the journey. And just because the best is yet to come. So that's what I would say and leave people with and, and also to dare to so higher because the best is, is yet to come. And I believe that in my heart and my soul. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you've shared so much, so much with us, Sharon. This has been such a great, great conversation. I knew it was going to be amazing. And I know I'm going to listen back and go like, oh, my God. Like, you know, but the truth is you really have – You've empowered people. I know that. I know that you oh, have done thank that. You. Um, but but let's talk about, you know, where can we find you? I mean, where's the easiest place for people to connect with you? Because I know that people are going to listen to this and want to learn more if they need to reach out to you, whether for coaching or for advice or, you know, maybe even to get a copy of your book or one of your books. And I know that you have three books and you're writing, you're co-writing so many other books. How do you do that, by the way? Like, how do you <laughs> co-write all these other many books? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I, 
I was reading you, but I was like, oh my god, she's right. she's not just correct. Like she's doing like what? How many? Like how do you even do that? Like that's that. Where do you find the time? But anyway, how can you oh, connect with no. you? Where do you find you? You saying that to me, and I thought, admire you. I'm, my everything is Sharon Jamison. My um, my website, all my social handles are my name, Sharon Jamison. And I do have two books out in a, the, the anthology, uh, The Strength of My Soul. And then I'm writing one with you. Because um, you're the visionary, your friend, <laughs> give that. I bear my chest. And I have another one coming out called The Unstoppable, uh, Unstoppable Woman of Purpose from a group from um, mm-hmm. the visionaries lives in Australia. Then I, I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. I'm also co author with Kim Coles called The Gift. Um, and she was in wow. uh, after year with the living single. And then I have a quote book coming out, my own book in January. And then I have my the book called The Fifty Life Choices that's coming out in the spring. So um, how do I do it? Because I'm always writing. That's how I find my peace. And then sometimes, you know, Alex, you know, I just go back to my journal and pull things out <laughs> because the thing mm-hmm. is, when you've been writing, when you're writing, it's like you and I. Mm-hmm. Some, some of our best stuff is the mm-hmm. stuff that we don't use. And uh, sometimes I yes. just go and up and look at some of my things. They're handwritten, unfortunately, because I I don't I, I journal I don't journal by tip writer I um I journal by hand, mm-hmm. and I just go back and get those stories. So that's why I can write um so quickly is because I there there the information is already there, and I know myself, I know my heart, and I know my spirit, and so mm-hmm. I'm excited. I am so uh, honored to have this time with you, and I have admired you. Since I've met you, and, and I can't wait to meet you live. I'm so impressed. I'm so honored. Um, I admire you, Alex. I, I'm so inspired by how you show up in the world and how you give up so much of yourself to others and to the community. And I honor you, sis. I celebrate who you are, and I celebrate your gift. Oh, thank you, Sharon. I'm such a big fan of you. Look, if you could see my face right now, like my jaw dropped because I was counting like the number of books and I was like, okay, I was somewhere at three. And then you started mentioning more books and I'm like, wait, I think I lost count. That's like six. <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. so, <laughs> but like you, <laughs> that's like six extra books. Like, you know, okay, I stopped counting. But the truth is you're such an amazing woman. Um, and I say this all the time and, and, and there's so many people were looking forward to listen. I do know that people are listening because I got lots of messages and people say, Oh, you know, because, you know, I mean, first of all, I mean, but here's the thing, you're not just beautiful on the outside, and you're so beautiful, but, you know, your beauty radiates on the inside as well, like, you know, like I said, you know, sometimes people are so, you can feel them, right, you don't even need to see them, and you don't need to even be in the same space to sort of feel their energy, so this has been such a great, great, great honored to have you here. I know it took us so long to get to this point, but I was counting down and it finally happened. And I can't, oh, I know we're going to work. I know we're getting together very soon. So that's going to be fun. But, um, you know, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much for just spending the time with us. It's been an awesome Friday radio special here on the show. And for all of you listening, don't forget, we've launched like a, um, it's on the class campaign for the hashtag I buried my chest and Sharon is also one of the co-authors for this book so if you're listening make sure to go to bit.ly slash um, I buried my chest campaign and donate a tweet or Facebook status whatever it is join us and share one voice with <laughs> us because we're hoping to empower so many people around the world it's been such an amazing day um, I'm looking forward to coming back next week on the Naked Talk with Alex Kurti and yes expression is a sign of strength and not weakness don't apologize for who you are you know for where you've been for what you've been through and for how you're feeling so till we come back same time next week on the show i love you for listening ciao Ciao,
Talk with Alex Okorochi.